don't know. Maybe maybe Rue didn't like me looking her in the eye and saying, I can love me better than you can. Fierce. 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 I love this podcast. Fierce. Fierce. Weather. Fierce. Food. Fierce. There's weather. Hello, I'm Joey Nolfi, Entertainment Weekly's RuPaul's Drag Race reporter, coming to you live as I transform from twinkling twink to twinkled as we broadcast live for the first time from Antarctica, where Maya Iman LePage has migrated to be with her people, the penguins, and we are truly witnessing a mighty feat of humanity meets nature as they all penguin slide on their bellies across the melting ice caps. And I'm Jillian Cedarholm, EW's news director, and I don't throw shade, I throw cheese. <laughs> my new motto. Very nice. Yes. Um, I Wait, my mouth is open, Jillian. Can you throw some into my mouth? Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank, Thank God this is not a video podcast. <laughs> that was a really, Jillian Actress has returned. If you remember from our EW's binge days, Jillian Actress well, has returned. Well, now act like someone who's having a lactose situation which i'm sure you would. <gasps> You just gave me a lactose allergy thanks jillian also we just have to say that we're recording on a very special day today it's jillian's birthday yay happy birthday jillian i don't celebrate <laughs> <laughs> well everybody you should wish jillian closet a happy birthday in the comments um later though in celebration we will attempt to broadcast our exit interview with Megami, as well as our recap of episode seven of RuPaul's Drag Race, The Sound of Ruzik, which was a musical episode, using our rudimentary equipment that has somehow survived these life-threatening and unprecedented temperatures. Jillian, did you, I, I have a question, did you did you stone those tights or have your sweet, sweet tears of a drag queen over Megami's elimination, which I know has personally just made you so upset, um, have they simply frozen and as they gently landed upon your body? Now, I feel like I need to take a cue from Megami and hold up a giant poster board reminding you that global warming and climate change are real. <laughs> and this place would be probably covered in lava, not snow by this point. Lava? Well, Jillian. <laughs> That's the opposite I, of snow. We, we famously are broadcasting live from the scene. So actually, you know what? I'm, I'm going to... In celebration of your birthday, let's have a little cocktail and we can do like Martha Stewart did. And just can you just etch some ice off of that ice cap for me to put to my drink? God, this is like that time Reese Witherspoon got in trouble for <laughs> drinking snow. Remember, that's what Martha Stewart got in trouble for. Oh, she remember? did. Oh, my God. Everyone yeah, from the South, I guess, is doing this. She literally went to on a boat ride and like they chipped ice off of an ice cap and put it in their drinks. Oh God. So that's what we're doing to celebrate your birthday. I would do that. I, I think what Martha Stewart famously got in trouble for was tax fraud. Well, that's what yes, landed that. her in prison. Yes, that. But we're gonna cheers to a problematic birthday. Sammy, please insert a drink clinking sound here. Clink. Oh my god, Chili, wait, it appears that we have now fallen through the polar ice caps atop which the penguins and Maya are sliding. We are now deep beneath the Arctic Ocean swimming with aquatic plane Jane from last week's runway. And remarkably, our audio equipment is still working here under the sea. So we are going to proceed with this week's episode as planned. When do we get an explanation of all this penguin references? <laughs> 
okay, it was pink. Okay, it is very obvious that Maya Iman LePage penguin slid on the stage in one of the most epic lip sync moments of the season. She slid on her belly like a penguin. Everyone's supposed to know that that's called a penguin slide and that's what penguins do. Okay, I did see the movie March of the Penguins and I had a traumatic experience in the theater. Okay, please tell me what the traumatic experience okay, was because friend, I'm now this is now Maya of the Penguins. My friend and I were were eating popcorn in this movie and we we got it a little bit late. Like she went to go get popcorn while the the previews were still showing. So then we were eating it during the movie. This movie has no other than like slight voiceover. There's no sound. So every time we were taking a bite of popcorn, it was like echoing through the theater and we felt so rude. And I was very self-conscious and all I could think of is I need to like get more saliva on this popcorn so that it's not crunchy. (laughs) And that's all I remember from March of the Penguins. I rescind my happy birthday tidings to you. I take them all back and I wish you the worst birthday on the face of the earth. That is horrifying. And it is... Um, I wonder if there was a sound problem in your theater because there is famously noise in that film. And also Maya famously did do a penguin slide on this episode. So I'm not sure where you're coming from with this, but we're going to get into it all, Jillian. Are you ready for a recap? I'm ready. I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. So we all know, we all know how much I just adore musical theater and by adore i mean abhor and i was so excited i knew my girly dawn was a good judy because she opened this episode after of course megami hilariously called her buzz Lightyear for last week's intergalactic look uh but dawn completely shit on musical theater in a confessional as we learned that this week's challenge would be a sound of music themed rusical and i just found it funny that it seems that as the weeks go on dawn has been spicier and spicier like the evil elf really is coming out and it's so funny to me like she's suffering or slaying from secondhand plain jane engine smoke as she shits on q she shits on plasma she shits on theater kids like it is so funny but after rupaul announces the rusical they all act like so excited they're all jumping up and down and i'm just like why are you all so excited for this challenge when we know damn well in 10 minutes you're all going to be bitching about the roles and absolutely dying over the choreography? And, of course, the next scene is them all doing role selection. Naturally, there's the manufactured formula. Q is unrelenting in her decision to do Baroness Braun, even though Megami wants it. And they do rock, paper, scissors to determine that Q, in fact, gets the role, which leaves Megami plucked. We've seen this 900 times before. Plasma then also puts her foot firmly down to play Mariah and Safira, who also wanted the part, curses her <laughs> by saying the last girl I gave a role to went home. <laughs> R.I.P. Mirage. But before we get to rehearsal, I feel like we literally just got all of this not too long ago with the girl groups challenge. It just feels to me stale at this point, or am I crazy? Um... I guess I don't share your same sentiments and I, I, I don't know. I'm kind of, why are you so enthused over shaming people who like musical theater? I guess is my first question. Well, I mean, it's more of like a joke because I famously have been read on this podcast for not liking musical theater and it just is something that annoys me. And I have famously said that and 
Well, I even said it in my interviews with Plasma and I think Amanda last year, where we're talking about like not liking theater stuff. And it just, I, I don't know, it just has always bothered me the same way that it bothered Don. So I really liked having that represent. Or, do you have a problem with twink representation, Jillian? Well, I mean, I think we get enough of that on the show. So why shouldn't a couple of <laughs> theater lovers have their moment in the sun? And I famously usually get annoyed by the theater queens on the show. But a couple, excuse me, there is a BFA weaponizer every season. Yeah, okay, one. now it's Jilly one and versus BFA weaponizer closet. Okay. One versus how many? They usually are the twinks, actually. <laughs> I mean, that's true. Yeah. So just let them have it. I don't know. I, I'm not really that upset about that. I, but it did feel like a lot of Dawn. Like I was kind of getting confused why we were getting just so many Dawn confessionals and nothing against Dawn, but I was starting to be like, okay, is Dawn about to win this? Is Dawn going home? Like it feels like we're getting just spooned Dawn. She's over the only Dawn one who hasn't won besides what? Morphine, Dawn. Who else hasn't won a challenge? Tsunami. Dawn. Tsunami. Well, wait, was Tsunami in? No, she wasn't in that girl group. No. No. She so didn't yeah. Win. So I think everybody um, else has won. So yeah, I don't. I don't know. But then I did. I did enjoy the the moment of her hypocrisy where she was reading Q for having an a, an elf like outfit. In the last, she was like, that looked like an elf costume to me. And it's like, this person shows up in an elf costume. <laughs> costume, But, you know, her drag is very elfin. Aww. We love it. But, I mean, I don't know. It was just kind of Your drag me. is very elfin. <laughs> elf fanning. Um, the other thing I oh, really no. loved was Morphine's observation the next day in the workroom after how many weeks have they been together? Where she you looks have, at Maya and says, you have braces. You have braces. Maya says, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> never talked to her. Um, everything involving Maya is just the funniest thing on the face of the earth. I'm sorry. It just is. It, re- it really is. I really enjoy Maya's personality slash being told she has a lack of personality because I think that it – not everyone has a huge personality. And I think some people with small personalities right. are just as entertaining. If you pay attention, right. to huge them. personality does not mean engaging personality, and like smaller scale personality can still be like a big impact personality. And I think Maya is exactly that. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. Yeah. The the original question of is this getting stale at this point? I I mean we've already talked about rock paper scissors. I think yes is stale. I would rather have them have an audition or have some other. Do yeah, something else because, yeah. yeah, we always know this is an issue. I think Plasma was smart to stand her ground, and I was worried at first because the confessional, she kept saying, like, nope, I'm doing it. And then when yeah. everyone else said they wanted the role, and she was like, um, I would also kind of like that role. And I'm like, Plasma, yeah. you're going to be screwed. But then she she went for it. So I think that was good. Um, it le- You know, that leads to more drama than Rock, Paper, Scissors. So you think the show would like it. Like, Morphine was upset that no one said that she should have the role off the bat. So I think that would make it a little more interesting. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I'm just, I, I think this, this is the exact same thing that we see every single season. And I'm sorry, like, it's just, this is what I'm saying. Like, I, I don't think it's necessarily bad i'm not saying it's bad i'm just saying it's familiar in a way that we can sort of like we always talk about we can start to sort of see the hand of production in this and i think that this is one of those examples where we know it's gonna i could have told you right from the very beginning exactly how this was gonna go i could have told you right from the very beginning exactly how the role or the um, picking teams was gonna go for the girl groups like it just 
they need a refresh in some capacity. And I think that this is where you can start to see it the most. It's like, I want to be excited by the Rusical in the ways that I used to be, but it's just like, we know we're going to get a Rusical every season. We know this is how role selection is going to go. It needs some refreshed energy. So I, I did think it was funny how Q, Plane, and uh, Tsunami went around the workroom. It almost seems like Plane, like now that Amanda is gone, it almost seems like they're making it seem like Plane's reads are more fun. And like they're making it a like a lighter thing. Yeah. And I'm not sure why that's happening. And it also seems like the rest of the group, like it seems like they're land, like they've sort of fallen into more of a groove and understanding how Plain Jane is operating and it's not coming off as harsh as it was before. So that's also interesting to see. But in that moment, there was Morphine's observation of uh, Tsunami only going along with this because she had a crush on Plain. And we did ask Megami about that. And Megami did not give the answer I expected. So everybody should stay tuned for for that tea. Yes. So we get to rehearsals and director choreographer Adam Shankman is coaching the queens on the moves they'll be doing for the musical. And they want us to know that Megami is struggling because there's a significant amount of choreography for her and Nymphia and Dawn, her partners in the group, to uh, their numbers. As the queens prepare, Adam keeps teasing that his assistant is running late, and then his assistant enters the room and turns out to be never-before-announced appearance from two-time Oscar-nominated actress and, more importantly, SNL Five-Timers Club member, Melissa McCarthy, who, or as Maya slash Myra says, Melissa McCartney is in the building. I was like, (laughs) no, she's not. (laughs) Who comes in wearing a bunch of LGBTQ pride patches on her jacket. We'll get to more on that later. Um, as well as a bunch of tote bags, dry cleaning, coffee, and also a bucket of Baby Bell mini cheese wheels. <laughs> probably, I'm assuming our sponsor of this episode that she throws at the queens. And we get this hilarious shot of morphing eating hers on stage like all oh, the so all funny. the queens are snacking on them every different shot we get throughout the throughout the rehearsal it's really funny as melissa leaves she reveals that she got her career start in drag as yeah. a red wigged queen named miss y and i was looking up info about it and there are um recollections of her going to woodstock dressed like that or not woodstock wigstock more on woodstock Wigstock. later too actually yeah. and okay. uh oh. she encourages the queens to fight for equality and their art because it is the art form that literally inspired and gave her her career yeah which i thought was a little ironic on an episode that kicks off megami who that was her whole message that got <laughs> mocked in her talent show but joey were you gagged by the secret celebrity <laughs> guest review because i have to say at first i kept thinking it was alaska because i know she's also very close to adam and i was like oh yeah. finally like she gets to be back on the show they keep referencing her constantly but then when it was melissa mccarthy i was pretty excited equally oh i was this like it takes a, a lot for drag race to i think genuinely surprise me these days and this I was watching this screener in the office and I actually went, oh my God, like I, it, it, it really did surprise me. And I was very excited because this is the kind of caliber of celebrity that you would think that drag race, especially now that it's on MTV would want to promote to get people to tune in. And they completely kept it secret. This was not in any of the trailers. It was not in any of the releases about the guest judges. So this was a genuine surprise that really did make me very excited because I immediately thought of what she's been saying about her connection to drag. Um, 
uh, last year when she was doing the Little Mermaid press tour. And you can read a little bit more about that on EW.com. She she definitely she gave an interview last year with us where she talked about this and uh, her affinity for Divine. So it's it was really cool to see these celebrities. And like I was saying, too, with Charlize Theron, who these people who actually are out there sort of talking the talk and walking the walk, I think, when it comes to showing their support publicly for uh, this art form. So it was it was really nice to see that. And I thought she was really funny in the little time that she had. So, uh, yeah, it, it was really great to see her. But like we did with RuPaul on All Stars 8, um, I want to do a little... Did we do some extra investigative work we on sure the patches, did. Julian? Because I saw... <laughs> okay, so the ones that I... Like, obviously, she had a lot of rainbows. She had one that said, choose happy. She said one that had one that said, get weird. And then there was love is love and, you know, a bunch of pins and that. Or there was one that I couldn't make out what it said. Okay, but so I'm here's here's my list if you're, if you're ready. Bit. Okay, so hold on. Yes, here's, yes. For, I've, I've done so much investigating. I'm going to drop a couple things in the doc, okay. but I will read them for our, our okay. audience. So, oh my God, it's you, if you could see I have located the FBI all- docket that just <laughs> dropped into our... Oh my God. If you'd like to purchase any of these badges, they're all <gasps> available on Amazon.com for these prices. There's a Stay oh Weird patch for $6.95, oh a Love is Love for $7.48, a P- and these are the exact same ones. I matched them. Peace sign for $6.99. A choose happy seven ninety nine. A say gay button, which is one in a pack of eight for six eighty eight. Uh, the vote is the only one that I couldn't find the exact pink and yellow with the lettering, like the Robert Indiana um, art sculpture of the vote. That one I didn't find yet. Um, but then nine eight eight is the nine eight eight suicide and crisis lifeline for LGBTQ youth. And then I stumbled on one other thing. Uh, this is why when I, I couldn't come up with the vote because I stumbled oh, this on is something not else. on the dock yet. Okay. This is not on the dock. Okay. So then I found this. This is a, if you could click on this, Joey, a photo from the okay, tw- wait, 2023 Nickelodeon it? Kid Choice Awards. The exact same thing that she wore? She wore the exact same thing. So I don't know <gasps> when this episode was Oh my god, it probably was the same day. It might have been the same day, and I'm hoping that Drag Race wasn't after for the reason that I'm about to pop in here, if you could click on that YouTube link. So this is Melissa McCarthy wearing the same jumpsuit with patches to the 2023 Nickelodeon Kid Choice Awards. Okay, wait. March 4th, 2023 is when the 2023 Kids Choice Awards were. I don't believe that they were filming then. So, wait, you mean that this was filmed? Do you think, hold on, before you click on this YouTube link, do you think Drag Race was filmed before or after the Kids' Choice after. Awards? After. I think it was filmed okay, after. Okay, that's very interesting. Now, now click on, now remember that she's wearing the same outfit. Now, click on this link. Please tell me she didn't get slimed. Please tell me she didn't get slimed. Please tell me she didn't get slimed. Villain. She got slimed! <laughs> Not only slimed like Derek Barry style, but dunk, dunked fully in oh, a bucket of Nickelodeon God. slime wearing this outfit. So oh, apparently she God. has a great assistant to send this to the dry cleaner because she looked great still. Jillian, this might be the greatest Jillian investigation ever on this podcast. This is so fucking funny. Thank you for finding <laughs> this. This is what I do I with am- all my free time. I am complete. Well, you know what? You know what that's called, Jillian? Pulitzer winning journalism. Yay. Or Pulitzer for those of us who pronounce it right. 
I said it on purpose. I said Pulitzer on purpose. Jilly Investigation, thank you once again for that lovely deep dive. Yes. And then you also wanted to make the observation of um, Melissa holding her phone. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. So my... My Joey investigation <laughs> was uh, just that she recreated Henny's famous look slash activity from the <laughs> finale uh, where Henny is in the audience with her iPhone filming the Queens and Melissa very clearly is doing a nod to that when she films the Queens rehearsing on stage. So there was my dumb bitch <laughs> contr- contribution <laughs> to journalism for today. <laughs> okay, that brings us back to the main stage where the musical proceeds with Plasma in her lead role of Mariah Grande, which coincidentally this episode with a character named Mariah Grande is dropping on the same day that Ariana <gasps> oh Grande God. and Mariah Carey's collab wow. comes out, which is synergy. Uh, the yes. other queens play supporting characters in a tale of drag queen competition that Baroness Braun and her evil sisters attempt to thwart and win for themselves, despite Mariah having the sheer talent to win at the end of the day. Now, that was all written by Joey because I'm the kind of person that when I was watching this, I was like, I don't understand the plot of this. And this is, I do like musicals, but sometimes I struggle with following the plot and instead just being like, oh, I'm enjoying this song and the It was pieced together. It was not, I, I, this plot was not 100% clear. (laughs) (laughs) So the musical incorporates, there were plenty of references to not just Sound of Music, but I did catch other references to various uh, musicals. Uh, it also incorporates from pra- past Drag Race seasons, which I yeah. did not <laughs> clock until I you read didn't this. Clock that that until it was you break up, bye bye from RuPaul's yeah. Drag Race UK Frock Destroyers. I kept being like, "What song is this? An Ariana Grande song? It sounds so familiar. This is a pop song that I know." <laughs> well, no, 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 no. There was. You are not mistaken because there were other songs in this that very clearly were modeled after Ariana Grande songs. Okay, Into yeah. You was one of them. Yeah. And um, Bang Bang was also another one that yeah. they were very clearly leaning into. Yeah. So so that was fun. And I think it does give you kind of an, an earworm that you're like suddenly feel more connected to yeah. the show. Yeah, the music was good in this one. Yeah. I liked the music in this one. But I don't I don't think I had anything that was like I, I enjoyed it while it was happening, but I don't I, I guess I'm gonna need to give it a couple of days. The music of Joan the musical I really liked even if I didn't love yeah. the full experience there was at oh, least two songs that I loved so much that it took it beyond and wig loose I think is just still my favorite because that just I don't know I loved that as a musical and the music and the cast because it has an image of mistress saying uh band drag <laughs> yes you know that's my motto after throw cheese um <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I guess a couple other things that I I thought off the bat were, I mean, yeah, and Sound of Music is one of the rare musicals that I just have never connected with. I always just considered it a Nazi musical growing up because, I don't know, I, I can't even really remember it, honestly. I know that one of the daughters is dating a Nazi or something like that. So, I don't oh, know, I don't you know, might I've as well put zone of interest with songs. But, oh, my God, Jillian. <laughs> Even though I like some of the songs from Sound of Music, I just never cared about the plot. So, that, But I know that this is, by a lot of musical lovers, one of their faves. Oh but I did not I did not like the voice match to Plasma for some reason. And maybe because it's, yeah. I know Julie Andrews' and voice, and this was so disconnected from that. It sounded more like somebody doing an, like an anime character. Like it was cute, but it just didn't match the character for me. 
And also, it was so funny. I think it was actually Plane that said it when they were like, we don't understand the styling for Plasma in this. They were like, she looks insane. Well, I mean, I don't know if I agree with that because I think styling-wise, like the hair is close to Julie Andrews. Yeah, but the wig looked insane. Oh, I don't know. I never the, really the notice. Look. Unless a wig is in someone's face, which you don't notice. I That's the only time I really oh get that distracted god. by a wig. Oh my god. Um, but do you agree with <laughs> the other things that we ended up hearing later about this musical? Like Q, Megami saying that Q especially had easy choreography because she had that long stole. To me, that's still, even if you're not dancing up a storm, you're still... It's choreography. Like Jane or Plane could have easily yeah. tripped over that stole. So I think that you still have to right. like choreograph that. Yeah, I think that um Megami, as we talked about a little bit, I think Megami was in her feelings in this episode and uh was maybe lashing out a little bit. Uh I I think she still holds to the thought that like it was I mean, she did actually say something really funny. She was like, given that Tsunami's talent show was just walking, she was like, I'm glad that she got to display her talent once again. Um, mm. So I think Megami does genuinely, I think what she's looking at is her personal experience compared to the others and what they had to physically do because she said that her, Nymphia, and Dawn were all sweating and they had to dance pretty i mean if you look at that choreography it is more complex choreography than what the others had i mean i feel like the nuns had pretty dancey choreography she wasn't talking about the nuns she was talking about no um, i know that's what i'm saying i think that if she was in the nun group she would have felt that way or even more so right yes and uh, so she thinks that she i think she thinks she deserved a little bit more credit for pulling that off than versus just walking and acting so i don't know i i think that you know, I don't look at either performance and think, I mean, cause I think that cues obviously required a great deal of like actressing while also doing the walking back and forth. And it was like a bit, it wasn't just yeah. walking to me. There was a bit involved in it as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know that I fully agree with what Megami says there about it was just walking, but I can understand where she's coming from because being in that experience, feeling like you contributed so much. And even the other contestants even saying like, nobody did bad in this challenge. I can see where that might be a little bit frustrating, but at the end of the day, I think somebody has got to go home. I mean, I think uh, sometimes we're saying no one did bad in a challenge just to be kind of nice. I mean, not us, but like the, no, I think that no, the queen said that. Yeah. Cause I mean, you know, you don't all want to be playing Jane dragging everyone, but. Well, I don't know who like, I, I, I look at this and I think, that they're, I don't know, because it's like who. I mean, maybe not who, bad, but I think there were definitely the two? I don't, I don't people know. who didn't really stand out to me, like weren't really steal, you know, didn't have a scene yeah. scene stealing moment and felt kind of more like background players. Yeah, like we can say that, like as much as we love Maya, that I, I mean, it was interesting. I think for us to watch Maya sort of conform herself to this kind of challenge, which I don't think Maya is normally out there doing this kind of thing on stage. So it was kind of funny to see her like emoting with her face and like doing all that. So it was entertaining to me. But like in the confines of a musical challenge, like did I think Maya was the absolute best? Like obviously no. So. I think that's what they're judging on. And collectively, we can look at this and say, like, there was nobody who stuck out for being, quote unquote, bad. But yeah, you can look at somebody like Maya and say, okay, she was not right for this kind of performance. But that's just because I think Maya doesn't do this kind of thing. So um, 
Yeah. I, I mean, I, I did. I, I did like the the hood popping going over her face, and yes. she kept it moving, yeah. and that was funny. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I guess to me, it's more of honestly, I would say somebody like a tsunami or a plane or a morphine even that just didn't have like a scene stealing moment they like they did their part and that's like in a real musical like you need people to do those parts but i guess in a drag race rusical like you do have to find those moments and so i I really enjoyed saphir in it i think she had like several scene stealing moments and i did like q and the i thought saphira was great yeah um but the one thing i actually didn't think that magami got enough credit for i thought magami's acting in this was really cute like i thought her look was cute with the glasses there was a part where she was shivering and holding her breastplate and like shaking her boobs to indicate that she was cold which i thought was really funny Mm -hmm. and the kind of thing that if plane did it Rue would be dying over so a couple things like that that i i was a little sad by yeah same no but the runway, I think, it, it did have me very excited. I think this is probably, of this season, the best collective runway that we've had so far this season. I mean, most of the queens operated on a pretty elevated level for uh, this flowers-themed fashion show. But I do have to point out, this is what I was talking about with Amanda's elimination. I thought Tsunami looked pretty, but I was with Dawn and being like, girl, I know you're... You, you say you're an upside down bouquet, but there was no floral pattern or flowers on this garment. And the judges said nothing about it. And and that's what I'm saying is that I feel like there are certain people or certain contestants where they choose to say, okay, well, this didn't fit the theme or we don't understand this. And then others where they do say that. So that's all I'm pointing out is I'm not advocating necessarily for one look or the other, but I'm just saying there is inconsistency there. So um, how did you feel about the runway overall, though? Like, who stood out the most? Because to me, I think Safira, which I I have no fucking idea how Safira traveled to RuPaul's Drag Race between her pumpkin, this, (laughs) and those. Well, she did save space because she has now worn that breastplate three different times with those teeny little teeny, teeny bitties. And um, so we know that she saved a lot of space that way. But I think Q, Safira uh plasma was so good on that on the runway so it was just it was such a good runway to me yeah it was really fun i was not as bothered by tsunami's look as you were i thought like once she said it i was like oh that is kind of funny like the cellophane like there was an actual concept related to flowers so i mean i don't know i guess i don't understand what you're saying that you this was your point with amanda's elimination because your point with amanda's elimination is that you thought it was an amazing concept even though it had literally nothing to do with the runway theme so i'm confused there um you don't no, want I'm me to comment that about I think dawn the, the concept the concept no, no 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 i'm just joking i'm joking about the what I, I just wrote, Jillian has a note in here that says Dawn <laughs> confirms meet the Queen's gravestone. So I just wrote no, 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 because I don't agree. But wait, what is your theory with that? Well, there's no theory. It's just that Dawn confirmed the the meet the Queen's were on gravestones because graves no, always have flowers on what them. <laughs> like Dawn's outfit. Was, <laughs> she said I'm a, a flowers on the grave. I mean, this is honestly, I feel like Dawn like had literally had flowers on it, but her theme <laughs> Like her, oh. her, the reference to the theme was actually more <laughs> off than tsunamis. If tsunamis, like I am an upside down bouquet, I'm wearing all green. I have it might not have been actual literal flowers, but it was like a floral flourish at the bottom, and I have a cellophane around my shoulders. Whereas Dawn had literally had flowers on her outfit and looked pretty, but I didn't understand like devil horns. 
and then a half dead face, but also you're the devil. I mean, I liked the aesthetic of it, but I also didn't really fully understand how it related to the concept. Yeah, but see, that's what I'm saying is that the judges did not point those things out. Well, we don't we don't know. They but all they get criticized by every single judge. We just it has to be edited into an hour and a half. I know, but I think but see that also goes into what I think we're saying about production is I think that when production maybe wants a certain queen to look a certain way on the show because there's an edit. We all know well, there's an edit. Well, it's a reality TV a show. Yeah, of course Right, it it's a reality TV show. And that's that's just what I'm saying is that I think and that's what I what I want to point out is that I think that there are inconsistencies and that's part of the reason why I think maybe the show sometimes is losing some of the appeal to me because that hand is becoming so obvious. Whereas I think maybe in earlier seasons it wasn't so obvious and maybe it's just because of familiarity with the show now. We know the show so well, so we're hyper in tune with these things. But I think that those kind of inconsistencies are just, you know, they're they're way more obvious to me now. I don't know. I think your your bias over the Amanda elimination is way more obvious to us all now. That's the only difference. I mean, the other I, thing, Jillian, take a, one look at the internet. <laughs> take one look at the internet and the response to Amanda's elimination, and then tell me that I am in the minority I on that. Take a listen to every single podcast or the pit stop hosted by queens and their thoughts on how if Amanda's outfit matched that theme in any way. So the other thing, though, I do want to say is that. Um, morphine i really got a kick out of her say like she shows up as a hippie and then her explanation is i'm a hippie girl who goes back in time to the 1970s goes to woodstock and is just happy to be there when woodstock was famously in 1969 so her hippie girl missed woodstock altogether (laughs) wrong decade (laughs) honey Okay, so after the runway, Megami appears plucked again when Michelle essentially says that her makeup is too consistent and that she needs to stop doing the same face, even though it's a good face. Plasma wins the challenge, making her the second queen to win two challenges this season after Nymphia. Safira and Q also place high this week, while Maya and Morphine also receive negative critiques, with Maya ending up in the bottom against Megami lip syncing to Miley Cyrus's flowers. I did like that there was a, a connection with the lip sync song and the theme. Insert I thought it was cute. Alyssa Edwards going, oh, yeah. she's writing the jokes with the producers <laughs> yes. being like flowers for the flower runway. Yes. Which gave us a really hilarious lip sync. Um, Maya kicking off her shoes and basically looking like an Church aunt lady. at a wedding, like really getting down yes. um, and doing her, now that we all know what it's called, penguin slide. Uh, yes. Well, yes. <laughs> but Maya has now lip synced twice. And she won in spectacular fashion, but is she officially the lip sync assassin of the season or do we throw this term around too loosely just because someone happens to win? What What is a lip sync assassin at this point? I think like last year, Amethyst won a few before her elimination. I don't know that I would necessarily call amethyst a lip sync assassin i think that there is a certain like zhuzh that comes along with a lip sync assassin like georges um jasmine kennedy i think that maya has that and i think we can clearly say after two lip syncs like 
come on. Like, they're all scared of her. She's the assassin. Yeah, she is the lipstick assassin. They said it. You know, if you're going up against Megami or, or Amaya, like, insert slicing knife sound effect, like, you're gone. You're done. Well, and except I that. Think- Megami didn't feel that way, and to her own detriment. Megami did not feel that way, apparently, um, because she said that it was not a flipping song. And she does comment on this in the interview, so stay tuned for that, uh, about whether or not she maybe uh, underestimated Megami going into the slip sync. But also, I, I think it was funny because Plain was fully back to being mean and uh, untucked like she said personally i'm still bored with maya give us something girl girl personality you're on television sweetheart and i'm just like oh god which is funny because you and i when jillian closet was famously holding my cue cards for our interviews last year i remember after maya's interview we both looked at each other and we were like what was that? Yeah, <laughs> we we were so... we were wondering if she was like we both guessed that she was the first out because yeah she was a little more low energy. Reserved. She did definitely yeah. mention that her um her designer had had ghosted her and was kind of making yeah. ex- we were like is she making excuses for being the first yeah, out? We're like what? Um, we were a little bit worried because when she walked in the room, she like took our breath away with her outfit. But then yes. during the we interview, like, oh my god, it was just yeah, the vibe was like a little bit off. But now that we in- know, her, now that we know yeah. that this is what Maya is doing, it's like I do think it takes people by surprise. All of this to say, I think it takes people by surprise. And if you're not willing to, I think get on the Maya train and understand why she is such an inherently fascinating person, which is partly due to her being so subdued like this in person. And then you see what kind of a performer she is. It just makes it all so much more interesting. So Maya is, is somebody who I think is a slow burn. You, you have to be patient and, and wait and see what she's going to give you. It doesn't come all just at once. And I think that for a shady person like plain, like, yeah, that's an easy target. I think to, to, make some criticism about so it was amusing to see plain take the opposite end of what how we interpret ended up interpreting maya after a few weeks so yeah we i also I agree um but yeah the the thing that was very exciting uh from this episode was that basically all of our questions and theories from last week were yes. all confirmed we now know yep. where the mariah guitar came from yep. we i mean both of us like when we first saw this we're like we both know Drag what Race so fuck? well. How are neither of us figuring Mariah out this reference? Mariah Paris Balenciaga yeah. had a guitar. I was like, what? was Maddie Morphosis's guitar named Mariah? And we never knew it. Like, yeah. But now we finally know. And it was, it really was an Easter egg in Untucked, as was the yep. forget about uh-huh. it card that we see in the beginning shot of this that yes. Megami had left there and it is in Untucked. And we found out your question that you brought up last week of like, why did everyone say that Tsunami was the queen of Untalked and refer to it as Tsunami's Afters? Tsunami's Afters. We now know, and it's maybe a slightly underwhelming, that it's yeah. just because she's safe all the time and is just always <laughs> in that lounge. Yes, queen of Untucked, the uh, congenial queen of Untucked. Maybe she, Do you think she could win Miss Congeniality, maybe? Or who do we think at this point oh. is maybe in the running for Miss well, Congeniality? I mean, well, I'm hoping that Safira makes it to the top, if not wins. So, but I think that she has that like definitely like yeah. mother bear, agree, um, like Sasha Colby quality to her. 
Yeah. Um, who else is a real? I mean, tsunami. Honestly, like so we hadn't said this because it happened off the pod, but it was revealed on social media that when tsunami won the trip to Spain for winning the flamenco mini challenge, yeah, because she, she is a DACA she. queen, she is not allowed to leave the country that easily. And so she was told that she could take money, a money prize instead, and donate her trip to someone else. And she donated yeah. to Hershey, the first out, which I thought was, was so nice. sweet. Hershey was blown away when she announced it on Twitter. I yeah. was tearing up. It's so sweet. So I would say, it was very sweet. Honestly, I probably would give it to her because I don't think like she yeah. did it for that reason. Whereas, you know, if if Plain did this, we'd be like, oh, she's being manipulative so that she finally yeah. can have yeah. an arc. But that was just very sweet of Sunak. How funny would that be if they voted Plain Jane as miscongeniality? I mean, that would actually be <laughs> sort of funny <laughs> or like, really you fucking know, hilarious. that would be funny. And because it would mean that she's, she's not at the top. Are you literally crying over I the did, Hershey I did, thing? I did. I get really oh like, God, I get emotional over people crying. doing nice things for people because I just have never done a nice thing in my life. <laughs> Jillian. <laughs> well, that is it for our recap um, that is now splashed with Jillian Closet's tears. Um, stay tuned because. I'm crying because I'm so old re- now. That's the real reason. <laughs> demographic demographic uh stay tuned because the fight to protect queer art is never over as long as she's around we've got our eliminated queen Megami here for a very funny interview so stick around we'll be right back hey everyone i'm sid evans editor-in-chief of southern living and host of biscuits and jam since 2020 i've been interviewing musicians chefs authors and other southern icons about their family traditions their faith their favorite meals and of course what it means to be southern and i'm excited to announce season five of our award-winning podcast join me every tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential southerners around be sure to follow biscuits and jam where Wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Welcome back to EW's Quick Drag Podcast, where today's special episode is all about protection. Protecting yourself from renegade plain Jane attacks, from an onslaught of tectonic choreography, from knowing which direction you have to oomp up or down, and most importantly, protecting queer art. Unfortunately, and so very sadly, my next guest was unable to tick off a few things on that list, but she has is still <laughs> the poster board of New York City excellence, and I am excited to break down this wild season of Drag Race with her. Please welcome our latest, sadly eliminated queen, but the always lovely Megami. How are you? Oh my God. Hello, my love. I am. Well, you know what? Uh, I've been better, but I'm also, <laughs> you know... Glad to glad to be here and glad to be kind of uh, hashtag robbed on the show. So you know what, uh, everyone, go go follow me and send me love. <laughs> yes, no, that is very important to do. As the queens are eliminated, we want to show them love. But can you? Um, I do have to ask. My natural follow up question is: If you are hashtag robbed, who should have gone in your place? Um, <laughs> I mean, I feel like. Um, plane and tsunami Ooh. should be in the bottom. Uh, because walking across the stage is not that difficult. Ooh. Whereas, like, 
Me, Don, and Nymphia definitely were sweating our asses off, dancing like a goddamn storm on a stage. So, that you know is what? True. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> that. That is that is very true. And, you know, but I mean, Tsunami and Plane, they did tire themselves out. They put in quite a performance walking around the workroom, shading everybody. So, I mean, you have to give them credit yeah. for that. Yeah, and you know, walking walking's very hard. Um, so... <laughs> You know, they and, and Tsunami's excellent at that, so I'm glad she got to show off her talent. Her talent, yes, her walking talent. Well, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get into all of it and Megami. It really is. It's always lovely to speak with you, and it's sad to see you go. But you did begin this episode with a really hilarious read for Dawn, where you likened her outfit to Buzz Lightyear, which I audibly <laughs> I was watching the screener in our office and I laughed out loud. Uh, but I have to know where did that come from, and what did you really think of her look? Um. Oh, you know the, the funny thing is like. It, Dawn's whole character was like, oh, I'm like an intergalactic um, elf thing or whatever the hell. And I'm like, you know, you're literally wearing Buzz Lightyear colors in a goddamn, <laughs> like, you know, uh, swimming cap. So I'm like, you literally just look like Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> it was so uh, good. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm glad they left it in because I was like, I was, that was one of the things I was hoping. I was like, oh, my God, people... People need to see um, that, you know, I'm good at reading. <laughs> yes. No, you were. That was an excellent read. And on that note, though, I uh, talking about Dawn, I have to... Uh, can you please explain this running gag on social media of you saying that Dawn is one of the Latino girls this season? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, like, this actually came from another queen in Brooklyn. Um, because, you know... Dawn loves to paint herself uh, uh, a multitude of various colors. And uh, so, like, several people just, like, you know, sometimes you don't know people out of drag. And so one of the, the queens in New York, I think it was Reefy Royalty, mm -hmm. they were at a show and Dawn was getting out of drag. And they're backstage and Reefy goes, like, oh my, like, finally sees Dawn out of drag. And it's like, oh, my God, Dawn. I didn't know you were white. I thought you were Dominican. Uh, so, like, it just became, like, a meme in Brooklyn that, like, Don is canonically Dominican. Canonically uh, Dominican? And, <laughs> uh, so, like, if, um, it, so as soon as, like, we, I had the opportunity, I was like, I need to inform the world. Yes. Like, you know, um, yes. Don out of drag may be a little white tweak from North Carolina. However, Don the character is uh, technically Dominican. <laughs> I love this lore and this story. That is so, it has cracked me up ever since you all first started talking about this on Twitter. So I just, it it's so funny. So thank you for sharing the backstory there. Um, but now I do want to get into this week. It was the fan favorite Rusical Challenge. And of course, we got drama with role selection. I mean, you wanted Baroness Brown, which eventually went to Q in a game of rock, paper, scissors that, you know, I'm sure triggered Ginger Minj as she was watching watching because we know she has a history with rock, paper, scissors, but you looked, mm -hmm. you did look a little plucked and Tsunami, Plane, and Q all said later in the workroom, they said that you were bitter Betty over this. So how do you feel in hindsight about the role selection and how that went down? And can you maybe explain some of the, I mean, is resentments the right, the right word? Um, I mean, resentment is uh, certainly uh, applicable here. Um, you know, I was just like, at, at this point, I, I, I had been like uh basically like safe so much and even when I won I still never got to like hear any positive feedback from the judges so I was just at this point where I was like 
I I really want to to get a, a one of the main character roles. Um, you know, this is a, a comedic role. That, like I feel like I would be fantastic at. And uh, you know, looking back, I'm like I I should have kind of just put my foot down, kind of like plasma, and just took the role that I wanted. Um, yeah. I'm often kind of like. Uh, I, I don't like conflict myself. I always try to. I'm a very a people pleasing person. I love to make sure that like everyone's happy and everyone's having a good time. So I I think that that I let that part of me kind of try to be the most democratic and fair. And you know, obviously, didn't work out in my favor. Um, especially since like after we like rehearsed and learned the show, I'm like. Uh, you know, me, Don, and Nymphia were pretty much like dancing, dancing in every yeah. single act. Uh, and uh, you know, as as a non dancer myself, like I I worked my ass off, and I like and I and you know maybe I wasn't one hundred percent perfect all the time, but like like I said, like we were sweating by the end of the show. Yeah. It was just like a lot and you know i'm incredibly proud of myself for actually accomplishing it um and and like i said it's a uh, a lot more than walking back and forth on stage so yeah. like, i really did that <laughs> well no you did and i i think it said later in the episode that it this is one of those episodes where i think it's clear that nobody did a bad job it was just sort of picking up on little things and before we get into the critiques i do want to ask you one more thing about this moment because whenever they were all going around the workroom tsunami and playing morphine says in a commercial or, or not commercial a confessional that um she felt in the the moment that tsunami was going along with it because tsunami had a crush on plain jane so do you have any more tea on that is this was this like a known thing oh no that's not that's not a thing um if anything um the one you need to look out for is plain and nymphia but oh. uh i'm not gonna uh, expose my sisters on that one i think you uh. just did Megami. <laughs> <laughs> well you know i didn't i didn't say anything um that uh, uh, couldn't be looked up online. I'm just, uh, you know, putting that out there that, you know, maybe that's a, a distraction, you know. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so there was maybe so, some sisterly love going on. Um, I don't, I don't know how much. I'm just <laughs> saying that, you know, this over over the winter plane flew to Taiwan to go visit Nymphia. And we were all like, oh, um, what, what are you two doing over there? <laughs> oh, okay. So this will be something that I need to file and ask one of them in the future in an interview. So um, thank you yes. for that tea. Yes. <laughs> so let's go back to the Rizical. I mean, Michelle, she she's one of her critiques was that you had the same face and the same delivery. So did you agree with that assessment that your makeup was too similar from week to week? Um, I mean, I don't know when has consistency been bad. Uh, it's kind of like, uh, what do you mean I have the same face? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm naturally beautiful. I don't need a bunch of yes. filler to kind of, uh, make different faces. Um, like what do you what do you I I I don't get that critique because I'm like, um, I thought I looked great every single week, and yeah. you know I think my my makeup even after the show has uh continued to improve, and I'm like I don't 
Uh, I'm not, it's not in my character really, uh, if I'm not doing a specific cosplay kind of thing to be doing all these weird, crazy faces. Like, yeah. um, I have, I have my good face tonight and I love to stamp it. So it's like, uh, for me, that was like a, a weird critique. Uh, and you know what? If, if, if consistency is the worst thing that you can say about my drag, then like, girl that's like uh that means how good i am right <laughs> that's true no that is true yeah and i i think it th did the critiques overall on the feedback of your performance in the rusical because like we said this is an episode where i think it was clear and even the other contestants were saying that like nobody did a bad job this week were the critiques and the feedback that you got adding up to you did it did it make sense or did you think that other people maybe did worse um i mean i I'd like to believe that other people did worse. I mean, yeah. for my own mental health. Um, but I'm like, it, it really was a, a thing of like, everyone did so well um, and really rose to the challenge of this musical that like, um, it, it, it was so hard to tell like who was even going to be on the bottom. Yeah. So like, um, I, I, yeah, I'm like, I, I, I don't, I don't, it just is what it is at this point. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, you did. So then later in the lip sync against Maya, um, you seemed confident that I think you said that this wasn't a flipping lip sync song. And Maya also said that in a confessional that the other queens didn't yet know that she was also a ballad queen. So were you surprised by Maya's performance? Um, and do you think, like, did you? maybe tailor what you were going to do in the lip sync to what you thought Maya was going to do? Um, I mean, I, I, first of all, I'm, I'm not a, a flipping kind of girl. Yeah. Uh, I don't do tricks and splits. Like my, my drag that I do home in Brooklyn is very kind of like, I love doing like weird artistic shit. Uh, lots of like sad songs and things like that. So, so this is kind of more up my alley and I I wasn't even focused most of the time on anything. I don't really know much of what Maya did because I was like, um, I'm going to focus on the words of this song and yeah. the emotion and intent behind the song and kind of uh, stare Rue down and try to make that connection of like, I'm feeling... I'm feeling the feelings of yeah. Miley Cyrus. Um, and I don't know, maybe, maybe Rue didn't like me looking her in the eye and saying, I can love me better than you can. Uh, <laughs> oh. oh, so you did that well, intentionally and looked right at Rue when you sang that lyric. Um, you know, but you gotta, you gotta kind of bring that like Brooklyn, Brooklyn spice. With yeah. You. Um, but yeah, like I, 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 I don't really know much of like what Maya was doing. I just know that like I, I feel like her shoes were off at one point and there was like jewelry all over the stage. <laughs> Did and you I'm, see like, her penguin you know. slide? <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Um my shoes were on and <laughs> my costume didn't fall apart. So uh, there's that. <laughs> well, and I just I, it her doing the penguin slide, it cracked me up so bad when she just ran and shot down the stage on her stomach. Did you were did you witness that at all or, or were you still too too in the zone? I did I had no idea about <laughs> any of it. So <laughs> I was like, you know, I'm so focused and then like focused on 
what I'm doing and like the emotion that I'm like trying to convey that I was like, it was just like a blur to me. And then all of a sudden, like I, I look and there's like, Oh, it's over. And like, uh, uh, yeah. yes, I had no idea. <laughs> okay. Well, then uh, let's go to untucked because untucked, it seemed that you had, you had a, a moment of that Brooklyn spice again, when you told Q how you felt about the choreography and, or, or maybe lack thereof in your, your estimation and tsunami pushed back against the moment that you called them all filler when you were all doing preparing with Adam Shankman. So did it seem, it, it struck me as a, as a little bit of an odd moment. Like, did it seem fair to you that people pushed back in Untucked so heavily against you when you spoke out when Plain Jane has essentially been being mean to people all season and Amanda was really the only one, it seemed, that ever truly like clapped back at her? Um, I mean, at that point, I was kind of just like, uh, just uh, upset about the entire thing. Um, and you know, I, I definitely, cause like I, my intention was never like to hurt anyone's feelings either. Yeah. It was more just like, you know, uh, I know Tsunami said like she felt some kind of way, um, because like I was, I was upset and I was like taking my frustration uh, out on other people. And like, I apologized to her and I was like, you know, I, it, it wasn't, it wasn't you that I, I should have been like angry with. It was more like, you know, the situation and, and, you know, obviously you guys didn't uh, pick uh, how much choreography and everything you all got. Um, so I was just kind of, I was just annoyed at everything. So it was yeah. like, I can, I can see the writing on the wall here and it's not mm. looking great. Right. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, not, not my, not my proudest moments. And like, you know, it was just like a, a very emotionally intense moment for me yeah. Uh, all yeah. around. Yeah. It was an intense episode. And I mean, you did have. You either you went through a lot of other emotional things this season too. I mean, you inspired a lot of the protect queer art memes, and I know that performance meant a lot to you. And you said that you stand by that performance and the message. So, how did seeing those memes and the sort of internet response to that? Because I know you're also performing with Meatball this weekend. So, like, I mean, and even Meatball was like, did you know saying things about this? So, how did seeing those memes and the feedback to that moment make you feel? Was it validating or was it maybe more upsetting? Um, I mean, it's a little both, like, um, because, you know, the, the, the performance came from a, a genuine place of, like, love and concern for the community and for, you know, the art form of drag. And, uh, you know, I, obviously, I could have done a, a million other things and, I was just like in in the moment, especially when this was filmed, was just thinking about like um, all of the kind of legislation and pushback against uh, queer trans individuals and you know drag queens specifically, and so I was like, I I want to use my my moments, my sixty seconds, to to say something to the world to the millions of people watching at home um many of whom are not uh queer people many of whom uh are not particularly politically active and you know it's kind of funny that like the most like pushback and criticism i get were from people who live in 
you know, LA, New York, Chicago, these kind of like very queer centers uh, and who kind of live in this bubble. Uh, and having been able to travel, like I going to places like, you know, Tennessee uh, and Virginia and maybe to more traditionally uh, red states and talking yeah. to people and being, and their responses are completely different and being like, we get what you were doing and it mattered because yeah. you know we know so many people who um who either like don't vote or who maybe are more moderate uh but still watch the show and like there's just so many people out there who watch the show who aren't just like you know queer liberal people uh in in a big city so it's kind of like uh i think a lot of people kind of miss that um and uh, kind of miss the intent, but yeah. but also at the end of the day, it's like I I love making people laugh, and uh, you know what? If it if it if it gets people talking uh, in a kind of roundabout way, um, then that's kind of like mission accomplished, regardless. Yeah. Um, so you know, it didn't it didn't feel great at the at the beginning but like i've come around to it and i can mm-hmm. like see the humor in it and you know I, I i've embraced it um because like i love i love making people laugh so it, yeah. it, it really uh it it's fine that it's a meme like uh you know that means i'll be remembered because uh, no one's talking about Burger Finger anymore. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah, I was going to say that, you know, because Plain did have some things to say about this performance, too, in the confessional. So I imagine that. Uh, so you brought it, but you brought it back around to that as well. So you answered my question. <laughs> so I know we're running short on time here. I just have one more quick question for you. Um, Because we did notice at the beginning of the season that there were clues to the season ahead in Untucked. Like, there's the very first shot on episode one shows your forget about it card fully visible in Untucked before any queens even <laughs> enter. Um, and it's also next to a guitar with the name Mariah on it, which was a clear nod to Plasma's role this week. So do you have any tea or information on, like, how your card got there? Like, did you leave it behind? Oh, no, yeah, I 100%, like, it was just, like, um, I left, I put it down in the last episode when I was talking to Geneva in the back when we were about to leave, and, like, I forgot that I didn't pick it up, and then uh, when we came back the next episode, like, it was still there, so I was like, oh, fuck it, I'll just leave it there, and, you know, uh, I think I think it stood there for the rest of the season if I'm, uh, <laughs> If I'm, uh, uh, if the girls are telling me the truth, uh, so it's like you know what? At least I, I left a little part of me there uh, in, in the untucked lounge. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, and you have definitely left a large piece in the, you know, the Drag Race legacy. So, um, it, you know, this, I feel like this is not the last time that anybody is going to hear of or see Megami. I am expecting great things from you, and I can't wait to see what you do from the show, or, or after the show, after this. So, um, best of luck to you, Megami. You have just been so lovely to talk to, and it was really a pleasure to to get to watch you on the show. So, congratulations. Oh, thank you, baby. I appreciate it so, so much. Thank you.
Thank you to Megami, our poster board girl of New York City, for joining us this week. Please rate and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And please, Penguins Lie, a five-star review for us on Spotify and Apple. It helps us bring you even more tea from the cast of Drag Race and more tears from Jillian Closet on her birthday. Tune in next week when we'll have an interview with season 16's next eliminated queen. Until then. <gasps> Have, Have a, a penguin, penguin slide, slide night. night. <laughs> These are getting more and more ridiculous. Quack. Quick Drag is an entertainment weekly podcast hosted and produced by Joey Nolfi and Jillian Cedarholm, produced and edited by Sammy Junio. Thanks for listening. There's weather. Cloudy weather. Ooh.